two out of three falls. Homage.com is still on the road to WrestleMania. This week, WrestleMania 26, March 28, 2010, Glendale, Arizona. A showdown so big that it main evented WrestleMania over the WWE Championship match. The stakes in the match have never been higher than they were when The Undertaker faced Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 26 in a career versus streak match. Log on to homage.com slash WrestleMania for more details. Hey, and welcome to Two Out of Three Falls here with me, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J, C-R-U-Z. You can download, subscribe, rate, review the podcast on both SoundCloud.com slash Two Out of Three Falls, as well as on iTunes. Give us a shout, rate us, give us a four-star, five-star rating. The show will greatly appreciate that down the road. Again, iTunes and SoundCloud for the Two Out of Three Falls podcast. Um, I'm joined by Graham Matthews of Bleacher Report, What Culture. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant, the host of WrestleRant Radio. By the way, we also have uh, Two Out of Three Falls podcast t-shirts now on ProWrestlingTees.com slash Cruise Control. Again, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Cruise Control. And you can pick up a two out of three falls podcast t-shirt. So if you're a fan, um, we greatly appreciate it for you listening and um, just being a supporter of the program and, and the show. Again, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Cruise Control for the shirts. And again, we're on SoundCloud.com and iTunes. Give us a shout, rating, download, subscribe, all that good stuff to support the show. Graham, what's up, my man? How you doing? Doing great as always, Randy. How about yourself? Doing good, man. We're uh, a week and a half away from WrestleMania 33 happening in uh, Orlando, Florida. I know we're very happy. We're excited. We're stoked about the the card and the event. So uh, we're not going to be talking much about WrestleMania or Raw SmackDown today. Um, and there's a good there's a good reason why, but just. Just because it's been the norm um, since we're so close, how excited are you for WrestleMania in a week and a half, man? I'm pretty excited. It's a different case for me, just because the build-up to the event itself has been—it's been all right, and all honestly, between Raw and SmackDown, it's been okay at best. Um, but it's a different case for me, just because I will be there in attendance for the show next Sunday and Takeover too. So I'm extremely excited. It's my first WrestleMania, and the card itself, I think. Regardless of whether you will be there or not, I think the card does have potential. I think people look at this card and say, it looks like shit. It's going to be awful. And if you go in with that mindset, it's going to suck. Um, not to say that if you think it's going to be great, it's going to be amazing. But I think if people go into the show thinking it's going to suck, it's probably going to suck. Um, but I think it could ex- exceed expectations. you got a lot of good matches in the card that could, be, that could be amazing, that could steal the show. We talked about it last week. Aries Neville, Triple H Rollins, which is all but confirmed at this point. Uh, Shane McMahon, AJ Styles, the women's matches. So I think there's a lot of potential with this card, and I'm pretty excited. On a scale from 1 to 10, I would probably say 10 just because, again, I'll be there. But uh, even putting that aside, I think I'm pretty stoked with the show on paper. Well, first of all, man, I hope you enjoy WrestleMania. I hope you enjoy NXT TakeOver. I know it's going to be a very, very long, hectic weekend there with Access and the Hall of Fame and NXT and uh, WrestleMania, that thing is Raw and this SmackDown. So 
Um, go ahead, have a good time. Uh, you know, I I I, I got to get to another WrestleMania soon, man. My only one was uh, WrestleMania 29 here in um, New York, New Jersey. So you're going to a nice, sunny, warm, outdoor stadium in Orlando, and just hope you uh, you enjoy it, man. Thanks, Brett. I appreciate it. 29 was almost my first one. Yeah, that was four years ago. I, that was close enough where I could have gone. I just don't know why I didn't, but I'm really happy that you are there for that show. Uh, there are definitely some shiny moments on that show. I really hope they come back to the Northeast area soon. I mean, Florida's great. Mm-hmm. It's probably it's definitely the closest it's come to us since, um, since 29, four years ago. But I would hope it's going to come a little bit closer in the next couple of years. I know it's in New Orleans next year. 34 or 35 might be Minnesota or something on or Minneapolis, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so hopefully they come back. To, I don't know about MSG. I think that's kind of off the table, unfortunately, but hopefully MetLife or one of the other surrounding stadiums. I think it would be great in, 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 you know, in the coming years for WrestleMania. Yeah. I, uh, I would love it to be at, uh, at MSG one day or, or back, back again. But I think them going back into indoor arenas, is pretty much a wrap. As you can see, you know, ever since what, 23, they've been outdoors. So, um, if, if they've been doing it for 10, 11 years straight of outdoor stadiums, I doubt they will take WrestleMania back indoors. But if they were to do it one, one more time, I think the only place would be, um, MSG here in New York, but uh, yeah, WrestleMania, we're a week and a half. The card is pretty much, pretty much set. And next week we'll we'll go into the entire card with predictions and trying to talk about, you know, where the direction will go post WrestleMania. So we'll we'll get into that next week. Um, again, Graham Matthews, he's on Twitter at WrestleRant. He's from Bleacher Report. What culture? Um, he's on Twitter at WrestleRant, and he's also the host of WrestleRant. Radio. So, Graham, uh, today we're taping this on March 23rd, Thursday, uh, 2017. And for those who are uh, a, a wrestling mark like myself and are re- very big into the history of dates and what what match took place on this day, what pay-per-view took place on this day, um, March 23rd, 1997. So, 20 years ago today, we had WrestleMania 13. And for those who were around back then would know that the best match on the card and possibly a top five WrestleMania match was Stone Cold Steve Austin against Bret the Hitman Hart in a submission match. Um, so we, we're talking 1997. Um, were you around? Were you on earth yet, Graham, back in 1997? <laughs> first and foremost. No, I wasn't. I was, I was, I lied. I was, I was born in 1995. So unfortunately I was born like literally two months after the absolute worst WrestleMania of all time, WrestleMania 11 in my home state too. So I don't know how that works out, but, um, with 97, I was two years old. I was not at watching obviously at that point, Uh but it is crazy to think that it's 20 years old. I didn't even know the anniversary until you texted me about it about a week ago or a couple days ago, which is great. But yeah, it's hard to believe it's been 20 years though since that iconic match. Yeah, man. So you know, I, I guess I guess I'm showing my age. You know, you were th- uh, two years old, ninety-seven. I was, uh, I, I think I was a, a freshman in high school at that time. Uh, no, no, I was not. I was in I was in the eighth grade during that time. So I was about to go to high school the following year. So we're talking twelve, thirteen years old for me, two for you. But anyway, twenty years later. Uh, we we can still uh, uh, stand here and talk about Brett Austin as being one of the greatest matches of all time uh, in general, 
and at WrestleMania. Um, you know, and, and plus with the network, you you get to go back and watch the match and watch the whole buildup, which had a few months of buildup going into WrestleMania. Uh, for those who don't remember or forgotten, um, you know, WrestleMania 12 happened with Brett and Sean with the Iron Man match. And um, I think Brett was supposed to have, you know, some time off after that match. And people thought that he got really pissed off of losing to Sean and he just left and, and whatnot. But that was portrayed on TV. That was the whole thing. That was like, you know, the, the way people write off uh, characters on TV back then. And then he was set to come back in November of 96. And the opponent he had was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, back at Survivor Series, so this this rivalry that happened that culminated at WrestleMania 13 started back at, at Survivor Series back in November. So, I mean, Graham, as you go back and and you watch the Survivor Series of '96, even the Royal Rumble of '97, and we'll get to that in a minute. But um, you know, how close were you following the rivalry as you were growing up or, you know, as you were growing up, did you hear about Stone Cold, Brett, and, and was this a match that you had to see, you know, down the road? I really didn't. I mean, I, of course, had heard of the match and had seen the iconic image of Austin pa- passing out with the bloody face to the sharpshooter at WrestleMania 13. But I think, I, uh, like, a lot of people had that same moment where, like, we just remember the moment but not the match itself or even the build. So upon like further inspection, especially in recent years, like you said, the network is such a fucking blessing in disguise. And the fact that you can go back in the annals of history and relive not only that match, but the entire build, which I think a lot of people either forget about or underestimate. This has been a long time coming. I think a lot of people forget the fact they had a match, as you had said, Randy, at, at Survivor Series the previous year. And even before that, Hart had been gone since WrestleMania 12. And it just recently only, only just recently have I gone back and started to watch the old In Your House shows. So I've been seeing Austin call out Bret Hart, all this other shit with Brian Pillman in right. the months leading up to Bret Hart's return at Survivor Series. So this goes back a long time. And even after this match at WrestleMania 20 years ago today, it wasn't the end of the feud. They continued the feud. They, they had another match in your house the following month. Like the double turn really breathed new life into the feud. And they had the six man tag team match that absolutely, I think it was six man, maybe eight or 10 man, I'm sorry. The absolutely phenomenal 10 man tag team match, a Canadian stampede a couple months later that kind of capped off the feud. Um, and then Austin broke his neck. So again, there's just a lot of amazing, or no, I think that was the year before, but you know what I'm saying? Still a lot of this stuff going on with Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin dates back well before this match and well after it too. And I think people need to go back and relive the entire feud to really appreciate the iconic match that this really is at WrestleMania 13. Yeah. And and plus the fact that, you know, people could appreciate the, the spreading out of the timeline where everything, everything nowadays is if you start a rivalry in like January, you got to rush through it and and finish it by, by WrestleMania. We're talking stone cold, Brett Mm -hmm. starting, maybe September, October of 96 and going all the way to like July of 97. So you talk about almost a year worth of bill, backstory, rivalry, this and that. And the fact that both were, you know, and, and plus this was a time, you know, and, you know, trying to, and, and, and watching this live as it happened, you know, with the raw and then nitro going on at the same time, it was, it was a real tough time for the WWF at that time to try to find something to compete with, with what WCW was doing on Nitro and their programming. So 
when you get a guy like Stone Cold who, you know, at the time was pretty good. He still had DiBiase around. He was the ringmaster and everything. But by the time we got to King of the Ring 96, you know, again, there's no there's no set timetable. There's no set day and time where the Attitude Era started. No one can say, oh, the Attitude Era started in July of 96. It it, it could be the Austin 316 speech. It could be the... the the development of DX, it could be the, the 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 double turn at WrestleMania 13. There's no clear cut indication of when the Attitude Era started, but I think if there was one pinnacle moment that you could say, you know what, this was like you know maybe the start was the King of the Ring speech of, of '96 when Stone Cold won the King of the Ring and the Austin 316. I just whipped your ass, and at that time. The WWF wasn't doing shit like that. It was still in that kiddie mode of, of the weird character-based uh, wrestlers and the um, you know the Duke the Dumpster Drozzy and all, and all them fucking guys. And now you get a real real guy in Austin who's talking shit on the microphone about Jake Roberts and I'm the man and stuff like that. So now you get a character. It's like oh shit, he's different than. Your Shawn Michaels back then, your British Bulldogs, your Owen Hart, and all those guys who were there at that time. So now you take him, you you develop him, uh, and you know with the whole 316 stuff, that became the number one shirt in the company. That became the, the number one slogan and, and and catchphrase in the company. And now you get Bret Hart, a a big time established, soon to be Hall of Famer and champion, coming back. And Bret was the guy that said. You know, when I come back, I want him. I want Stone Cold. He handpicked from what I read or, or saw somewhere on a DVD. He's the one that said, when I come back, I want to get in the ring with Stone Cold. So, Brett saw something in Stone Cold very early on. I was like, man, like, and and, and and that's how great Brett was to pick out talent, to put him in the ring. He didn't say, when I come back, I want a rematch with Sean. I uh, he didn't say, I want Psycho Sid. He said, I want a Stone Cold Steve Austin. And look what happened. He... He basically took Stone Cold, the character, and that rivalry into something where you you just don't see it today, man. And, and those who haven't seen it can go back on the network and really appreciate that whole fucking rivalry. Yeah, just the storytelling of it was so well done, as you had said. Just the fact that it had been spread over the course of a couple months from late 1996 and the fact that Austin got beaten their first match. And you know today, first of all, before I go back to that, you know if something like that happened today, people people would be complaining all over the internet that Austin lost both matches. Yeah. Oh my God, he got buried. Why did the old veteran, you know, beat Austin both times? You know, Austin should have gotten his win back at some point. From what I've heard, I know they were supposed to do an, uh, another match. I think at WrestleMania 14, and obviously the Montreal screw job happened that never came to fruition. But um, you know, you know, putting that aside, you know that had this scenario happened today, people would be saying, oh, Austin got buried both times. Why did Bret Hart have to win both matches? But it wasn't the fact that Bret Hart won both matches. It was how Austin lost. Like, yeah. he looked really good in defeat the first time. He won the Royal Rumble. They had the whole controversy. They furthered the feud there. And at the February pay-per-view, the, uh, the final four pay-per-view, that in-your-house show at WrestleMania. And again, just the double turn itself was just purely iconic. Not only was the match absolutely amazing and easily one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time, what makes this match so surreal to me and really just ahead of its time was the fact they did a double turn, which I think beyond this point or prior to this point anyway, I think had been completely unheard of. I'm trying to think of another 
time where they executed the double turn in the way that they did here. Um, and I can't think of any other instance in WWE history anyway. So again, the way that they did it, the crowd is already on Austin's side anyway. And again, right before WrestleMania, you got to remember too, on the build to this bout was just so amazing. Like you can't just watch this match. I'm not saying you need to watch every pay-per-view and every Rob leading up to WrestleMania 13, right? but definitely just pay attention to the biggest highlights in this feud. Um, like the promo that Bret Hart cut, uh, just tearing into the U S and like, just remember, uh, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but uh, during the steel cage match on Raw, but I, I think between him and Psycho Sid or Undertaker, whoever, um, he just went off on Vince McMahon. He pushed him down to the ground. He just went fucking like dropped like a, a verbal pipe bomb, as CM Punk would say. It was just amazing. And the tide was already turning in Austin's favor. Again, just the buildup, the match itself, the execution, that iconic, that iconic image of Austin passing out in the sharpshooter with the blood on his face. And the aftermath, just everything about this has really solidified its spot in history as one of the greatest matches in WWE. You know, it's funny you mentioned like how nowadays, you know, you know if, if Brett Stone Cold happened in 2016 and 2017 and, you know, right now people get, people throw a fucking fit when Braun Strowman loses clean to Roman Reigns. Just imagine <laughs> if Bret Hart beat Stone Cold clean, clean in the ring fans would be like, oh my god, why would you have him win the King of the Ring and then and now you, you have him lose to Bret Hart. He, you know, he just got back. Why are you burying him? Just imagine. Just imagine the, the outcry of Stone Cold <laughs> losing to Bret in, in, yeah. in a clean match. Yeah, and that would definitely be prevalent today, yeah. Yeah, then, you know, then, then you know, we'll, we'll get CM Punk chance in the fucking crowd and um, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't Chicago, remember. It wasn't yeah. Chicago, so that would not surprise me. So like, and and you know when you mentioned Brett and I, I remember the steel cage with with Sid and then I mean if you want to rewind a little bit and this is when Brett came back he 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 won the match with Stone Cold when you know Stone Cold had the, the million dollar dream on him and he did not let go and then he became number one contender for the belt the following month at the In Your House against Sid and then still at that time this is when Shawn Michaels is um uh, he he's not. Uh, I think he's still injured. He's not active. I think he was doing commentary that that night, and again, mm-hmm. he got blindsided or whatever. And Sid won the match, and Brett blamed Sean. He attacked Sean at, at the fucking announce table. But at the time, Graham, and and this is what this is what is different from now until you know, or from back from back then until now. At that time, you thought that shit was real. You thought like, oh shit, Brett attacking Sean, and he's wailing on him at the announce table. And it's like, time out, time out. I know some of this is scripted and everything, but, you know, Brett attacking Sean, and we know Brett had the animosity from WrestleMania 12. They may not like each other. And at that time, you didn't know too much about what was really going on in backstage. I mean, you know, the internet was still, you know, very infant uh, uh, stage. There's no blogs. There's no whatever we have now. So what you see at that pay-per-view and what you see on Raw is what you got. And at that time, you're thinking Brett really hates Sean. Sean really hates Brett. Then you go into the Royal Rumble, and then Brett throws Stone Cold out. Referees don't see it. Stone Cold comes back in. He throws everybody else out. He wins the Royal Rumble. And then Brett throws a fit at Vince McMahon. So when he knocks the headset, no, th- that wasn't it. But he's, when he confronts um, McMahon about the, 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 the Rumble, 
it's like Tom, is 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 this really happening? Is is this shit really real, or are they just doing a great acting job? So that led you to believe, like, the, it gave you a, a suspense of disbelief. Like, am I seeing something that's real, or just a great acting job? And I think back then, that's that that's some shit you don't get nowadays. You you really don't. And I think that's what I guess we're so spoiled from what we saw back then because we don't get it now, or, or we don't get it the right way. Because a guy like Brett would make you believe he hated Vince McMahon. And then you go to, to, to real quick to your point about the steel cage. He goes on Raw and he's cursing up a storm. I'm like, yo, what's going on with, with, with Brett? <laughs> he's like, this is bullshit. I'm the best there is, whatever. Uh, title shot, title shot. Sean this, Sid this. This is bullshit. And I'm like, time out, time out. Brett is going on USA right now on Raw, talking shit, cursing. What's going on? But I guess it just played into the whole storyline of Brett. Brett was changing. You know, he was fed up. He he was tight. He was like every opportunity I want for a belt is always Sean, is always Sid, is Taker, is always some. It's it's, it's it's McMahon. I'm getting cheated. I should be the champion. And that's when you started to see the fans kind of flip on him. And when Stone Cold came came on board, it's like, all right, I I'd rather go for the the someone who's against the establishment and someone who's coming across of complaining and whining as Brett the Hitman Hart. But now when you put them two together at Mania, I mean, Graham, it it, it was just so phenomenal to have that match and and Stone Cold become a good guy and Brett become a bad guy. He does his whole Canadian American thing, and to me, that was one of the biggest heel turns. You know, I'm not saying on the level of Hogan, but Brett going doing that shit with Canada and USA that was that was pretty big back in 1997. I mean, you said yourself right there, just the realism from that time, the fact that made you believe that what they were doing was 100% legitimate is just something you get so rarely nowadays. And I mean, the business is so different. Uh, 20 years later, I mean, the curtain's been pulled back so much that that you know it's a work, and it's really hard to convince everyone that what they're doing is real. I mean, you will get some times where that happens, like the punk pipe bomb and other scenarios in recent history right. in recent years. But, I mean, back then it was really ahead of its time. It was unprecedented to do something like that, like with the, with the Bret Hart promo on Raw that, that steel, after that steel cage match where he just went off on Vince McMahon and the fans and the WWE, as you had said, calling himself the best in the business and what is this bullshit. Like, it made you believe that what he was saying was true, that it was real. Um, I don't know if this has ever been confirmed or not. I don't know if Hart has said it or Shawn Michaels or whoever or Steve Austin or whatever in interviews and shoots and whatever else. But um, I'm pretty sure the original plan was to do Hart and Michaels too at WrestleMania 13 before Michaels pulled out because he knew that he was going to lose the belt back to Bret Hart because they were setting up that match right. in the final few months of 96 if you watch back those old in your houses. So I don't know at what point they changed plans. Because they find it hard to believe that they would build up Hart and Austin for like the first few months of 97 and then not go in that direction at Mania. Because Michaels pulled out like right after the Rumble, right after he won back the championship and Psycho said it at the Royal Rumble. So again, I'm not sure at what point they changed plans, but uh, it really all worked out well for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. I'm glad we got this match. I think Austin still would have gone on to become a star. And I think that the important thing to remember is too, is that I think like a buy or sell situation. Um, like what was the moment that really made Austin a star or really three moments when he won the championship in 98, this moment at WrestleMania 13 or the Austin 316 promo from 1996 King of the ring. 
I would argue this moment right here. I would say that the, the championship win was going to happen. And it was only inevitable. It was going to happen at any point anyway. And the Austin 316 promo was great. But after that, he went on to do what? Face Yokozuna in a dark match, a free-for-all match at SummerSlam that year. Like This was the moment that really solidified Austin as a top-tier talent in that company. Like After this, he was headlining pay-per-views with Bret Hart. They headlined the uh, following In Your House show. And, and a rematch from WrestleMania. Right. And it was only a year later that he became champion and also kind of kicking off the McMahon feud in the, and, you know, throughout 1997. So again, uh, this match is really iconic for a number of reasons. And as you had said as well, the whole Bret Hart change of character, like for so many years, not that he was stale cause he was still popular, but he had not really evolved as a character, as a persona. And this match allowed for that with the double turn. And again, it, it's one of those classic cases where Austin did not need to win. It wasn't how he, it wasn't the fact that he lost, it was how he lost. And he's not even an underdog-esque character. It's just the way that he lost really solidified him as a star not giving up. Um, so again, just an iconic, historic, monumental match in so many ways. I'm a big fan of heel Bret Hart. And I know it was such a short time um, in the WWF when, you know, you figured that was in March of 97. He left the company in November and he started doing the whole USA Canada stuff, and I think that was, you know, take take nothing away from Brett before that. I mean, I'm a fan of Brett, you know, in in his entirety. He's my top five guy, um, but him as him as a heel just showed a different a different side, uh, a different character. I think he got better on, on the microphone when he was a heel, and him, you know, him going into you know Florida, California, whatever it was they had in Raw, and the crowd would would just boo the shit out of him. He'll just stand there with his Canadian flag with Brett Owen, Bulldog, Anvil, Pillman, the, 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 the new heart foundation. And it was just, it was just a different Brett. I'm like, wow, man, that shit was, you know, I, I, I always say aside from Hogan, like Brett as a heel rock, when he was a heel with the corporation back in 99, like those were very definitive, uh, heel runs. I know it was short for Brett, with the company, but uh, I think it was one one of his best work ever. Um, and then and then he did win the and he won the championship in in fucking New Jersey with with Taker. And 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 also to continue the the, the Brett and Sean is that you know when Sean was the referee, then he went to hit uh, Brett and, De- and, and Brett ducked hit Taker. And it's like I think that WrestleMania match with Brett and Stone Cold just paved the way for so many different things where Brett would become champion. Then he had Taker against Sean. Then he had Austin go against, uh, you know, McMahon. And it just, like you said, if it was supposed to be Sean and Brett part two at WrestleMania 13, how would the match be? I don't know. Would it be, you know, would it change the course of history? I don't know. But we got Austin and Brett instead, and we got a great match. And, um, what's so crazy is that Stone Cold didn't even know he was having a fucking submission match with Brett until like a week before. He's he's watching Raw like everybody else, and McMahon and, and and this is what he said on the DVD. Like I'm watching Raw and McMahon. Somebody says, "Well, next you know WrestleMania Brett versus Stone Cold in a submission match." He's like, "What the fuck? Like I'm not a I'm not a submission guy." So it was just like you know everything playing out, and then him being in the sharpshooter and him not tapping out and the blood all over his face. And I still remember when he got, you know, when he cut himself and everything. And back then, you know, me, I was like observing, like, wh- like wh- where did Stone Cold get hit? Was it the bell? Was it a chair? <laughs> did Brett really knock him out? 
and I, I saw the point on 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 the show where like oh, okay I, now I see what Stone Cold did it, but at that at that point you're thinking blood capsules, you're thinking whatever some crazy shit, but it's like to and then plus the fact that. I don't think McMahon knew Brett and, and Stone Cold were going to do that. I think Brett was the one that told Stone Cold, like, you know, if we do this, it'll add more suspense to the match and everything. So, you know, Brett, Brett was just so psychological and, you know, just, just ahead of his time. And, you know, I think with that happening, him not tapping out was, I think, the best non-call that anybody has ever made. Because just imagine just imagine Stone Cold tapped out, Graham. Just imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, had he tapped out, I think it just it, it it wouldn't have worked as well. It still would have been a great match. It still would have rem- been remembered as one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history. But the fact had he tapped out, it shows that you're weak, that you're submitting, that you're a loser. But the yeah. fact that he didn't tap out and lost that way because he didn't want to give up sends a completely different message. Again, it's all about that storytelling and the way that it was executed on both ends from both Bret Hart and Austin, the Chicago crowd responding the way they did. Just everything fell into place so perfectly. Um, It it would have completely changed the course of the match had he tapped out. Absolutely. And then we had Ken Shamrock as, you know, a special referee. So he's coming from the the UFC fighting world. So, you know, it was a different time for them, and they're trying to do different things because they know they had to compete with with Nitro and and WCW. So, um, again, man, I don't know what day, time, or what event you can pinpoint the beginning of the Attitude Era, but I think if it's not Stone Cold speech, this right here would, would, would definitely have to be it. But um, I do want to give a shout-out to um, uh, my guy Brian Shields. Uh, he, he he did a book on the, the, the 30 years of WrestleMania, and in the book, obviously, WrestleMania 13 is, uh, is brought up. And I remember seeing the quote where, like, Brett, himself said that art artistically artistically the you know it's maybe the greatest match i ever had so it's like like wow like you know all the matches brett had charm mr perfect yokozuna luger at, at that time razor ramon owen hart you take this match with stone cold and for him to say it's artistically the greatest match he ever had um that goes to show you how how ready Stone Cold was to be in that main event primetime spot. And I think Brett was the one that was right about Stone Cold from the very beginning. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. I would absolutely have to agree that the fact that it was, I mean, there's really not many other ways to describe this match than an artistic masterpiece. It really was just that an artistic masterpiece. And for all that it succeeded in doing too, not only was it a great match, like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan from five years ago was a great match. But, I mean, it's not only just that, though. Just everything that it succeeded in doing from turning Bret Hart heel to really solidifying Stone Cold Steve Austin as a star and, you know, kind of paving a way for the Attitude Era. I mean, again, it's really hard to pinpoint one moment when the Attitude Era started, but I would agree with you, Randy, that it kind of started around this time with that Bret Hart promo and then more around like WrestleMania 13 and soon after yeah. um, with the rise of, uh, of Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin in their new respective roles. But um, absolutely, I would have to call it the, the greatest match for both guys in their WWE careers. I mean, people look back fondly on the Rock and Austin matches, and rightfully so. They're all incredible matches. But artistically, again, that's the key word there that you mentioned and Bret Hart brought up in, that, in, in the book that – Nothing was at t- artistically as good, as great as this match right here. Um, again, there's a lot of good matches, a lot of good storytelling moments throughout WrestleMania's illustrious history, but I don't think any other match 
maybe with the exception of Stone or uh, Shawn Michaels and Taker from WrestleMania 25, I would put that still number one as the greatest Mania match. This I would put as a number two in my personal opinion. But still, other than that, though, um, I would have to put this towards the top of that list of not only even WrestleMania, just of all time, in terms of how it was built up again, build up, aftermath, execution, crowd, um, just everything, every single factor in this match just exceeded expectations and just really solidified its spot, as I said earlier, in the, uh, in the annals of WWE history and all that it succeeded in doing. I think for me... Stone Cold and Brett from 13 is in my top five. Now, I, I don't know from a general consensus if that would be. I think it should be from a general standpoint. Stone Cold and, and Brett from 13. Um, mm-hmm. Sean and Taker has to be there. I think that might be number one from 25. Um, I think you you got to put Macho Steamboat from WrestleMania 3. Um, mm-hmm. You could put. Sean and Brett Iron Man match in there. And I think Stone Cold The Rock from 17. So, I mean, my my five can be different than yours and everybody else's. But if you're talking about greatest matches that that still hold the test of time, that you can talk about it 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. Macho Man and Steamboat happened fucking 30 years ago. And people say it's still the greatest, not even WrestleMania match. People say it's the greatest intercontinental championship match. And you know how many fucking IC title matches we had in 30 years? Mm-hmm. And people Exactly. People I mean, it says a lot. Point. Absolutely. I mean, my, my top five doesn't really change too much either. I mean, there's so many great matches to choose from. The only two I would also include in that conversation would be Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle from WrestleMania 21 over 10 years ago. Okay. And another Shawn Michaels match, uh, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon in the latter match from WrestleMania 10 as well. It, it, it's ironic that when, when you talk about favorite WrestleMania matches, you always hear the same three people: Brett, Stone Cold, Shawn. It just it's just ironic, man. <laughs> Undertaker, yeah, Undertaker. usually the same, yeah, same crop of guys, yeah. Um, uh, probably not others' favorites, but as far as as far as for me, like far as culturally, I think Hogan Warrior is up there because that was the very first good guy, good guy main event, and it was a shift of uh, a shift of. Uh, you know, passing the torch to Warrior and Hogan going his way, whatever. So for me, it may not, it, it may not be a match that others can watch all the time, but for me at that time, back in '90, I, I was seven years old and I, I was just starting starting to be a fan of of what I was watching. And I think Hogan Hogan Warrior was the match for me that holy shit, I think I like this. I'm gonna keep watching it. So, um, but yeah, man, it's 20 years Stone Cold Brett, I, even. You know, going back to the um, you know that time uh, of '97, and also in the book that Brian Shields wrote, Brett did say that you know he said that you can feel the the change happening. You know, the business was changing like it always does. Steve was becoming such a great villain that the people start, started to like him. It became more cool to like him than it was to boo him. So at the same time, it's what the NWO was do- doing down in WCW where they're essentially heels and bad guys, but people think they're so fucking cool. They, they're going to cheer for him or cheer for them. Now it's the same thing with stone cold. He does this. He's cursing. He's drinking beer. He's attacking Bret Hart, but you know what? He's so fucking cool. I'm going to cheer for him. And I think at that point in wrestling and in pop culture, it became cool to cheer the bad guys. Yeah, there was definitely a shift at that time, which is why I would, again, agree with you in the fact that I think maybe this match, maybe not this match, but definitely that time period 
and not just 97 in general, but I would say like two or three weeks between Bret Hart's promo on Raw and then this match at WrestleMania 13 that there was absolutely a shift in the business where people started to cheer the bad guys. I mean, I guess you could argue, I mean, it wasn't WWE, but people started to do that with like the cool NWO heels and WCW, which was the summer of 96, which was like a half a year earlier. But for WWE anyway, in their respective Attitude Era, really started around this time. And it really hasn't changed all that much since when you really think about it. I mean, even 20 years later, people are still cheering the bad guys over the good guys. People are cheering Braun Strowman, the big monster heel, over the uh, quote-unquote conquering hero Roman Reigns. Like, it's still evident today. Uh, and it really can all be traced back to that one bout 20 years ago today between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart. Bret would also go on to say in Brian Shields' book that if I would have stayed in WWE, we we would have had more great matches down the road. I mean, I know they I know they fought a couple times, but just imagine Brett was still there and during DX era and during Stone Cold era, and and Taker was there and The Rock would just you know climbing that ladder. Just imagine Brett in that mix. Um, in hindsight, man, you wish he was there. You felt like he should have he should have stayed. He I don't think him and well him and WCW just wasn't a, a good fit for either one of them, and it was just uh you know kind of sad to see how his career ended up with that company. And um, but yeah, man, him him being there and 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 right in the grit of the Attitude Era, right in the beginning of it, um, we just never know what kind of magic he would have had. Not only with Stone Cold, but with The Rock and Taker down the road, mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels could there have been a. a you know, obviously, a, a part two at WrestleMania with Brett and Sean, not that Survivor Series Montreal school job stuff, but you know, him and him and Triple H, and could have been a lot of great yep. matches. But um, I think for me, it's definitely a top five match. And anybody who anybody who doesn't have that is fucking out of their minds. <laughs> no, I gotta agree. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to be in your top five, really. I mean, I would have to say, I mean, everyone's top five is going to be different. It's completely subjective, but. I, in my opinion, you cannot have a top five best WrestleMania matches. I don't care if it's favorite best or whatever, um, but you cannot have a top five best WrestleMania match list without Austin and Stone Cold, uh, Austin and Stone Cold, Austin and Bret Hart, and uh, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker from WrestleMania 25. Everything else can be switched around, but I think those, in my opinion, are the top two best WrestleMania matches. Again, for what they succeeded in doing, the execution, just everything about both bouts from their respective time periods and Really, I mean, again, with with Austin, what we talked about with Bret Hart and Austin and how it was kind of like the first match in WWE history to kind of have a, a good guy being or booed, I guess, in Bret Hart and then ultimately turning heel in that same match versus a rebellious heel who ended up going babyface in that same match as well. That kind of, um, you know, set forward a new real era in wrestling where people would cheer the bad guys. Like in that same vein, like with Taker and Shawn Michaels back in 2009, and I was talking about this with my buddy John about a couple months ago. I think one of the main reasons why that match was so good, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons why that match is so great is because prior to 2009, by and large, you didn't have a lot of people kicking out of each other's finishers like four or five times. Yeah. Like in that match, when someone kicked out of the tombstone, it was like, oh my God, he kicked out of the fucking tombstone. That's huge. Like nowadays, oh, someone kicks out of the attitude adjustment. Oh, whatever. Like I expected that. Like it's so... It's so expected. Like, remember WrestleMania 31, like Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, a great match. 
but Roman kicked out of like three fucking F5s. Like that's kind of ridiculous. That that's kind of stupid. But um, you know, prior to 09, you didn't really have that all that much. And prior to 1997, you didn't have what you had with with Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin. So again, kind of kicking off something uh, that was completely new and, and at a time where everything has really been done in the wrestling business, it was really unprecedented in that respect. And I think just to kind of put a bow on this conversation, uh, Brian did also write in the book that um, in Stone Cold's effort to escape the sharpshooter, he created one of the most iconic images in the history of sports entertainment. Austin did not submit. He passed out while it meant that he lost the match, whether he wanted to or not, or whether he wanted, wanted it or not, he won the loyalty of the fans. So that's where you start, you know, he, he, he starts to get those, those cheers on the following roles and and, in your houses and everything. And, you know, Stone Cold was just a guy that just didn't give a fuck. And, and me as a fan, I was like, man, I, I like this guy. I, I, I bought the shirt. I bought the DVD, uh, not DVD, the, the VHS that went, that had his bloody face on the cover. It was called Stone Cold Said So. was like the first VHS uh, tape that kind of showed highlights of some matches. And, you know, th- th- this is predating, you know, DVDs and, you know, compilation DVDs and stuff like that. So, um I, I just think it is a very, very iconic match, a very iconic image of him bleeding from the submission match. And um, it, it just uh, definitely a match that you can watch over and over. But the fact it is, it happened at WrestleMania 13. Do you remember three other matches that happened at fucking WrestleMania 13, Graham? No, that's what Probably I was going to say earlier. I mean, I think the fact, I mean, had this happened any other WrestleMania, it doesn't matter what WrestleMania it is, it was still going to steal the show. It was still going to be an iconic match. It's not like it would happen, you know, at WrestleMania 11, like just because it's the worst WrestleMania of all time. It still oh, would have been amazing. Like if it, like with, with 25, like 25, in my opinion, WrestleMania 25 sucked, but Michaels and, and Taker still stole the show, but had it happened on even, like it had it happened at WrestleMania 17, it still would be amazing. It doesn't matter what show it takes place at. WrestleMania 13, it's hard for me to say, not that I'm biased, but I just, I just did not like that WrestleMania when I rewatched it a couple of years ago. Not that, not because it's the attitude there, just there's a lot of messy matches on that show that just don't make any sense. Not because they're not good in ring-wise, that's not the only factor. It just, I, I know that Taker and Psycho Sid was in the main event. I know that, and that wasn't a great match. It was okay, yeah. but it was, it was kind of boring, but it paled in comparison to this. Other than that, Triple H and I think Owen Hart, I think faced Owen Hart or no, no, did he? I think he faced Goldust. Yeah, he faced Goldust that year, I think. But I could not even tell you what else happened on that show. That show is not one of the better WrestleManias. I still think like this match was the sole saving grace of that show. With fourteen, it was Austin and Shawn Michaels, and fifteen, it was Austin and Rock. Those manias, in my opinion, were not really all that good whatsoever. But you had that common theme i think austin was in the soul saving grace of all three of those shows had the best match in the show and other than his matches the show kind of sucked but uh yeah no i could not tell you at least three other matches on hand that took place at that event 20 years ago so before i do the the, the trivia question to give out one of these dvds we, we did have someone uh win the uh the contest last week all the way from milwaukee wisconsin so he uh, he chose the ECW unreleased DVD that I had. So he got it. He's enjoying it. So uh, before I do the question this week, um, 
just to have some fun, I'm going to read down the entire WrestleMania 13 card. You're going to tell me how fucking terrible this was. Um, <laughs> well, we know Stone Cold and Brett. We, you mentioned um, Taker and Sid was the main event for the WWF Championship. Um, yes, Hunter Hearst Helmsley did fight Goldust. So that's three matches. But we also had Rocky Maivia against the Sultan for the Intercontinental Championship. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, man. Um, the British Bulldog and Owen Hart fought Mankind and Vader for the Tag Team Championship on paper. Doesn't mm-hmm. sound all that bad, but I don't remember how it ended up. Um, yeah. We also had a Chicago street fight. Ahmed Johnson in the Legion of Doom. Against the Nation of Domination, Farouk, Crush, Savio Vega, and D'Lo Brown. Okay. And See, I don't uh, remember that at all. Me either. <laughs> me either. Um, I think the last match, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So we had seven matches on WrestleMania 13. We're going to get double that at fucking WrestleMania 33. Can you believe that? No, I mean, even Mania back then, I think, was still three hours. So, I mean, now we're just getting an extra hour, and that's not even counting, like, the America the Beautiful and the elaborate entrances and all that other shit. I'm, I'm hoping, and they probably will in the next week, they'll announce at least three or four matches are going are gonna to be moved to the kickoff. But even then, it's going to be a long show. WrestleMania 32 is a long fucking show, and it has just as many matches, I think, so... Hopefully it's uh it's a lot better than WrestleMania 13. That's that's all I could say right now. Yeah, and plus you know this is like the height of the the whole pay per view era where you're like you know what you're on you're on at seven, or you're on at eight. You got three hours. You got to be off ten fifty nine. So we're not, we're not playing no games. I think the other match was um a four team elimination tag team match. Boy, the Godwins. Who else we got here? Ugh. The Godwins and the Headbangers. Against, <laughs> oh man, against Doug Furness, Philip LaFon, and the new Blackjacks. <laughs> Good God, that sounds atrocious. Oh my God, that sounds absolutely awful. Yeah, you figure, it, and, and on that roster, you have Taker, you have, you had Sean, you had Brett, you got Stone Cold, you got a young Rocky Maivia, a young Triple H, you had Mankind. It's like, all right, aside from that, you got the fucking blackjacks and the Godwins and <laughs> I mean Goldust was still was still prominent back in the back in that time, but um Yeah. It was crazy. You know, Psycho Sid was on its way out, so he was dropping the belt, but um Yeah, man. Um glad to have you on talking WrestleMania thirteen. Uh Stone Cold Brett twenty years today of the anniversary, top five WrestleMania match of, of all time, in our opinion. Uh but before I let you go the the question that we did last week was what WrestleMania did Shawn Michaels enter the ring for a match with his theme song sung by Sherry and obviously that was WrestleMania eight against um El Matador. Yeah. Um so this week, for those who are, are listening, first of all, you can download, subscribe, rate, review the podcast on both iTunes. And SoundCloud, give us a four or five star rating. That'll greatly, uh, we'll greatly appreciate that. Um, on iTunes and SoundCloud, I think it's soundcloud.com slash two out of three falls. You can also find the shows on the Cruise Control 
feed on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, we got new T-shirts coming, ProWrestlingTees.com. Uh, go out and, and check for that. But Graham, you did not know the answer last week. So I want to know. I did not know. I, I, I admit I did not know. Off the top of my head, no. Hopefully you would know the answer off the air. Um, so the question is, um, if you want to win a DVD that I have, I'll show you the picture on, on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz. Um, since debuting in 1990, The Undertaker has only missed two WrestleManias. Which two WrestleManias did The Undertaker did not participate in? Two WrestleManias. That's a good question. Two WrestleManias The Undertaker has did not participate in since debuting in the company in 1990. He only missed two. Yeah. Hmm. So, if you know the answer, uh, tweet at me and Graham at WrestleRant at Randy J. Cruz with the correct answer. First one to, to hit us up with the correct answer gets to pick a DVD from the picture I'm going to show. Um, uh, but again, man, um, always great having you on. Always great having um, the listeners chime in. And again, for those who are out there that, that that like the show, love the show, give give Graham a shout out at Russell Rent. Hit me up at, at Randy J. Cruz. Follow, subscribe, download, rate, all that good stuff on iTunes. It'll really help the show out. Two out of three falls. We're also on Twitter now at two out of three falls pod. And the new T-shirt at Pro Wrestling Tees dot com slash cruise control so we had the two out of three falls podcast shirt go ahead and, and check it out graham next week we'll cover wrestlemania 33 or, or preview it and um always great having you on man yeah i appreciate it dude as always like you said 10 days away from wrestlemania it feels like it's a million miles away but it's getting closer so i'm looking forward to it but yeah looking forward to uh, breaking down the card next week and i'll catch your ass down the road brother Graham Matthews at WrestleRant, Bleacher Report, What Culture, WrestleRant Radio. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, dude. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Take it easy.